This copyrighted podcast of the James Perspective has been paid for and funded by James M. Wilkerson. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this podcast are a permutation and combination of words and sentences used in this podcast without the express written consent of James M. Wilkerson and the James Perspective is strictly prohibited. James Perspective. Yes, that is one lone voice you hear. It's just me today. James is very sick, so I'll be doing the Lone Ranger on this. We'll see how it goes. Lots of things to cover today. We'll start off with economic news. The CPI report was just announced, and drumroll please, there's not much to it. It didn't change. In other words, the CPI for November looks to be zero. In other words, Prices didn't go up. Yes, I know. You're all going, wait a minute. And prices didn't go up relative to the prices that have gone up beyond belief as far as food and shelter go. Uh, The real thing that's driving CPI to be zero is energy prices, i.e. gasoline, uh, that type of thing, actually had a huge decrease, which gave everything a zero. Uh, That's... Basically good economic news, but you've got to realize that rent still lag behind about 12 months. Uh, Rents are going down. Home prices are actually high. They've gone up. However, there's no quite a bit of demand for new homes. No one's building new homes because they haven't been able to do it because of high interest rates. Also, people aren't selling their homes with a 3% interest rate. When the new ones are 7 to 6%, around there, might be 6.6 by the end of March. So anyway, just FYI out there, they're telling you prices are coming down, but they really haven't. They've just, some have gone down and some have gone up or stayed the same. I think you'd probably see that at the grocery store if you took a look at it. We're going to talk about also today the three presidents of the Ivy League. I guess you'd call it Harvard, uh, Penn State, and MIT. These are very prominent things. Were called to Congress to testify about their DEI statements. In other words, why were they allowing anti-Semitic remarks, protests for Palestine, and at the same time, even calls from the students, uh, which they may have not understood what they were saying when they say to the river to the sea, which means from the Jordan River to the you know, the sea, they're going to drive out all Israelis. Uh, That is also a call for Palestine, Palestinians to eradicate them, kill them. So I don't know the students knew that's what they were chanting, but they were. Of course, these three universities allowed that to happen, which free speech, I'm kind of guess I'm for that. However, they would drown out any other opposing views. For instance, they didn't seem to be very concerned about Jewish students on their campuses who were actually getting harassed. Therefore, they were called up to Congress to say, hey, do you think it's bad that they're, you're allowing this Palestinian talk, yet these students who are Jewish are getting harassed and you're doing nothing? What's your point? What's your take on that? All three of them gave what I would call the most evasive answers to a yes or no question, and especially the Harvard president. Now, The Harvard president is, and this is only because this is the way it goes these days, an African-American woman. Uh, The other two were, you know, white women, I guess you'd call them, (laughs) for lack of a better term, Caucasian women, we'll say. They all gave very similar evasive answers to this. Saturday Night Live did a skit that was, did not, according to many people, was not received well. Anyway, now the uh, University of Pennsylvania President, she resigned uh, under pressure from the board. This is uh, one thing. The MIT president, I haven't heard much about her, but she resigned. And they all said it like this, is genocide of Jews bad? Would you denounce that type of speech? They said it depends on the context, which I found a very, (laughs) wow, (laughs) really? Killing all Jews is context driven? I don't know if I believe in that. Anyway, the person who's kind of been really calling this out is a hedge fund investor, investor, Bill Ackman. 
who um, manages a hedge fund that's, you know, he's a billionaire. He manages a hedge fund that has billions under advisement. It's done well several times now. Just my opinion, hedge funds do well short run, don't do well long run. But people are still always wanting hedge funds. You can make a lot of money on them. I would advise my audience not to touch them. But that is not where you get your um, investment advice from a former restaurant guy. You, you go talk to your financial advisor. However, he's really honed in. He's a Harvard graduate. And he's really, he's been, had some open letters to the Harvard president, Miss Gay. Yes, that's her last name, Gay. Anyway, uh, so she's, uh, and she's never responded. And he keeps writing these very, and I would recommend you all go look up Bill Ackman's letters to Harvard. Uh, because they're, I can't do them justice here, so I won't try. But they basically said, you know, you're not answering the question. You're allowing this on campuses. You're allowing anti-Semitic remarks. That's okay. But if anybody from the other side would say anything about African-Americans, you'd shut that down and have done so. So he has this all kind of documented in his letters. So I would advise you to go look at them. But basically, he's been pounding away. He's also said that his hedge fund will no longer hire Harvard graduates. And he is asking other friends of his, you know, I guess billionaires have a club. And uh, to not do it as well. And it looks like they're following suit. This uh, mind virus called woke is apparently getting a lot of pushback from at least a large segment of business community. It is somewhat toxic, I will say. And anyway, that's kind of something that's happening in the news right now. I, I do agree with Mr. Ackman's comments on all of it. However, I hope I never make him mad because he is spending his life, it seems like right now. Uh, I don't know when he has time to do hedge fund stuff, but uh, he is really going after Harvard, especially his alma mater, uh, because of their, you know, not allowing free speech. So that's the free speech aspect is very good. Along the free speech lines, Guess who's back on Twitter, or X as they call it now? It is, of course, Alex Jones, who's reinstated. I have to call out how Elon Musk did it. (laughs) Here's how he did it. What he did is he said, okay, I'm thinking about bringing Alex Jones back. He was banned from Twitter for his comments. I think mainly about Sandy Hook being a, what did he call it? He called it a, a red flag or black red flag incident. In other words, it was faked by the CIA, uh, which caused a lot of harm and uh, to the parents of the people who died in that horrible incident. They sued him. Anyway, that got him kicked off Twitter, but it was blue Twitter at the time, ironically. So Elon said, well, I believe in free speech. I'm thinking about bringing him back, but I won't do it unless you vote yes or no. You know, and so if you voted no, he was going to, if the majority of the people who responded to him would vote no, he wasn't going to bring him back. If they voted yes, he would. And they voted overwhelmingly yes. And in fact, once Alex Jones was back on, there was an engagement. They, they do these engagements and so they can kind of track. That's one thing about Twitter. They can track everything people do when they are on this platform, if it goes up or down. And the platform had its most interactions ever after Alex Jones uh, got back on. So Elon made that happen well. So we have, you know, this free speech platform of X, really something. And if you don't have an X account, I would strongly recommend getting a free account just so you can see kind of what goes on. A lot of what I've been able to tell you on the program has to do with the fact that I I have an X account and I'm jumping on and off all the time. So that's very, very interesting. Now there is a law in the great state of California, <laughs> which says you have to have a gender neutral toy department if you sell toys for children or you are fined 
I think it's $500 every day you don't have it. That's a new law in California. Again, California is working hard to drive every business out of it. Soon, I think it's going to be, everything's going to be online in California if you want to get anything. And then they'll probably tax the people bringing it into the state. It's just not a friendly place for most businesses. Anyway, there again, Gavin Newsom is driving people out of the state and saying, no, no, really, there's no problem. (laughs) He's a fun guy. If we go on down the road, we have Jack Smith. Apparently, he is um, delaying. uh, He's Trump saying, look, I'm going to apply because you're trying to talk, you know, talk to me about my presidential activities. Therefore, I have immunity and I don't have to testify. Jack Smith, of course, wants him to testify, and he's trying to do an emergency emergency ruling from the Supreme Court on make this guy talk, basically. Again, the whole political persecution by the Biden administration is just something I'm so uninterested in, but at the same time interested in because it involves, you know, Trump. Uh, I wouldn't, I would not want it to happen to Biden if it was reversed. So I think when Trump says that he's, if he gets elected, he's going to retaliate. What I think he means is anybody who did anything illegal, I'm going after. But if it's not illegal, he's not going to go after it. So, and there you go. On a related note, Joe Biden, now I want you guys to all really, I want you to, you know, I know you're going to be shocked when I tell you this, but Joe Biden has a new, uh, person helping his campaign for his re-election bid. And it is, drumroll please, Hillary Clinton. Yes, Hillary Clinton. So uh, she'll probably, I don't know, we'll see what happens. Maybe her advice will be, Joe, you need to step out or die or something like that. Maybe he'll die mysteriously. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) That's uh, horrible to say, but (laughs) I don't want Joe Biden to die, by the way, Uh, nor do I think it probably would happen, but you know, who knows? So in other words, uh, watch out for Hillary Clinton, who didn't win against Trump to help Joe Biden, I guess, not win against Trump too. So that that's fun. We've got National Association of Scholars has called for the removal of Harvard President Claudine Gay. That's her name, the Harvard president. Now, all of a sudden, they've found this shoddy work that got her, you know, her a degree, and it's plagiarized, according to certain people. You know, that just seems a little too convenient that she said some things that a lot of people, you know, decided, you know, apparently a lot of the people who fund, you know, give money to Harvard, who happen to be very rich and have Harvard degrees are just very unhappy with her and they've stopped giving money. I know that Bill Ackman has stopped giving money. So, uh, or hiring Harvard graduates, which can't help Harvard. So here's what, okay, here's the whole thing that bothers me about the congressional hearings. I realize that Harvard, Penn State, MIT get federal funding, which I'm with James, we shouldn't do that. But they get some federal funding, but they picked those three to testify. You know, there's more than just those three that are woke and get federal funding. I mean, I think it's billions and billions of dollars of the Department of Education gives to colleges for funding. Uh, Most of that, what I've looked into, seems to be uh, studies. You know, they fund studies. That's the huge amount of it. They also are research, they call it, but studies, which, by the way, there's been quite a bit of... uh, Quite a bit of research saying that half the studies are wrong, at least. So, you know, there's some good money we're pouring into those colleges, all colleges. Anyway, they, uh, are endow- they're not endowments, but they are grants. Now, these are not grants to get students to get an education. These are grants for these, gu- these uh, colleges to study something. I don't know what they're studying exactly. I'm sure a lot of it is very good, but... At the same time, if I got 50% return on my money, I don't think I'd, I'd invest. Just me, you know, spitballing here. So I would, I would encourage you all to go view the videos of the 
college for uh, presidents walking around the 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 straightforward questions that were given to them about okay i think one of them was this i'll paraphrase it a little bit here they said if they called for the genocide of all african americans in this country would that be wrong and would harvard oppose that and she wouldn't answer she said something to the effect of well it depends on the context and wow you know that's why it's a big controversy right now president zelensky from ukraine <laughs> is over in having his tour of america to ask for more money for bullets i don't know how they're going to keep fighting without bodies because apparently they're running out of soldiers or anybody to shoot back uh that's one of the things that's being said but who knows who the heck knows if that's uh real or not it's very 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 frustrating the whole thing but apparently the new funding for Ukraine is going to be perhaps not re renewed. Why? Because we're doing funding for Israel. I think, I think a lot of this has to do with the American mind. We can kind of say, oh, it's just one of those things when there's one war we're funding. I don't know why we can do that, but we seem to be able to do that. But two wars, I think, is a bridge too far, and we don't get to say that we don't get to we can't we can't handle that we're gonna you know we're gonna get up in arms and say no and call our congressman if there's two wars being funded uh, i think funding the war in ukraine was wrong also there's been some reports and i'm not sure where it came out of but reports have come out that apparently before putin invaded ukraine and you know russia were willing to talk and we're going to solve the problem before they ever started the war. Guess who jumped in and said, no, 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 we need to start this war. NATO and the U.S., our wonderful administration. The, the accusation is that they did that because the military, military industrial complex, not to be confused with the censorship industrial complex, or as I like to call it, the brainwashing industrial complex, jumped in and said, no, no, we can't make money if we don't have a war. You know, so in other words, I don't think we need to, um, I don't know. It's just so frustrating. That whole war has been so unnecessary. And the weird thing is, I think Biden administration is going to really do whatever it takes to close it, Democrats in general, to make sure that war goes away. And the reason being is if a Republican, no matter who it is, gets into the presidential office, they can say, they can call up and say, look, we're not funded anymore. You guys need to settle up and we'll be right where we are right now as far as, uh, you know, borders. Uh, Putin will keep everything he's got and Ukraine will have what they have, although in ashes, but it would take one day. I'm almost sure Trump could do it in one day. That would make them look, Democrats look so bad, they may never get reelected again. At least that's what has been proposed. Scott Adams has said this, and along with uh, Cernovich, you know, Mike Cernovich on X, Jack Prosabic on o Owen has said similar things. So Darren Beatty, I think, has also said it off of Revolver. So, and I don't know if... Uh, I'm sure that Breitbart has said it, but anyway, that's something to keep an eye on and watch the Rep the Democrats all of a sudden not want to fight a war in Ukraine. I don't know. It just seems so disingenuous, ladies and gentlemen, but I, I don't know what else to say about that. Okay. President Millet, um, the libertarian in Argentina. Uh, James has talked about this at length on the podcast about Argentina should be just economically knocking it dead but their woke policies and woke departments and all their taxes have basically crushed the economy for some time they have great natural resources a very vibrant people there's they have lots of arable land that can be grow food yet they're just never got going now Melly's libertarian strongly makes james look like a you know not very libertarian when, you know, he talks. Now, talk is cheap. And so, we, you know, we often say, watch what they do, not what they say. Talk is cheap. 
Milley's first day in office cuts the government to from, let's say, on his first day, it was, he cut how many departments? It was a large amount down to nine, from 50 to nine, something like that. I'm sorry, I thought I had that number right here. Of course, I can't find it now. You know, he did this by executive order. Uh, Where have we seen that before? Anyway, um, that's, he cuts them to nine, just like he promised he'd do on the first day. And he did it the first day with executive order. Now we'll see if that stands up or what happens, but he kept, you know, like stuff that has to do with the economy. And I think it was eight from 18 cabinet ministers. Now there's been some different numbers to nine. So he's reduced them by five by half, but it actually there was in the forties that I heard. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but at least he's done the lion's share of it. That is really uh, amazing if it holds. So we'll keep an eye on that. I would keep an eye on that, ladies and gentlemen, at all costs. Now, if we go look at the overall headlines, there's, it seems like somewhat of a desperation in the Democrats in that Trump is polling so far ahead of everyone. It's getting to where it's think about it. You know, you have all these things going on in the uh, country, and then all of a sudden, things that never popped up before are popping up. There's bad economic. You know, they're saying no, the economy's great. Yet you and me go to the grocery store and say what? But people can't buy a home. The economy's great. Well, you can at least drive to somewhere, but not not forever because even though it's lower. It's not as low as it was, well, back in 2019, when it was like average price of gas, I think was in the 148, 180 uh, per gallon. Now it's, you know, we think two and three dollars a gallon, is though that's, that's way better. So that's how bad it got for a while. So talking about all that, and so people's experience is not that the economy is doing great. It's just not dis- being destroyed, but it's not doing great. And people know that, I think. And so I think it's given a desperation. You're going to see more of it go on, but they're going to go back to what I believe is the one thing they have used as their excuse for winning, <laughs> um, abortion. And we're starting to see that if you look through the headlines, you'll see that real left-leaning places are talking about, well, Texas abortion law. You know, that's there's some controversy about an abortion law there that Let's see, the, there's Kate Cox is leaving her home state for Medicare, medical care, and she posted this on, you know, and it's abortion rights, of course. Now, this is off MB, M, MSNBC or the Communist Party of this country, but you also see it on ABC News. You'll see it on CBS News. Woman leaves Texas for emergency abortion. That's highlighting the Texas abortion law. Now, why are they talking about this all of a sudden? You know, we haven't heard about this for some time, but it seems like every time we have elections starting to loom ahead, where all of a sudden, guess what? We have abortion is bad. Don't like abortion. And man, it's weird how I think it's about what people perceive as a freedom they've had being taken away. And this is on the left, primarily, that they feel I have this freedom. Now you're taking it away. That's and and remember this about. A persuasion, ladies and gentlemen. The thing that'll happen is you perceive a loss, no matter what it is, to be at least two times as bad as a gain. For instance, if you lose $20, you that's just horrible, horrible, horrible. I, gosh, I can't believe I lost $20. However, you gain $20, you go, oh, that's nice, but it doesn't doesn't affect you emotionally like the loss does, even though they're the same. And so this is a human nature, I guess you would call it. Remember that this is something they perceive as a loss. Now, I perceive it as a loss of life. Unborn child that has no way to fight back. Uh, That's my opinion. Now, at the same time, best political play for Republicans is kind of what Trump's already done, which is, well, we send it back to the states. They can decide. Um, That's how he's, you know, saying about the abortion. Roe v. Wade overturned. Uh, He says that now it's the states that need to decide. And I think the states do need to decide. I don't think federally we should be saying, you know, yeah, you know, you you can kill your kid if you want. 
as long as it's not born yet. I don't know. That that kind of, to me, is like the Canaanites back way back in the Bible who sacrificed children, which is just horrible to even think about as to the gods or whatever. Uh, that seems a little, you know, like that. But, you know, okay, why are they bringing it up? They're bringing it up because it gives them a pretext to win. And, uh, you know, it depends that way. When people do win who are Democrat, it looks like, well, there's the reason whether that's true or not. And it could be true. And, you know, I know James says, no, everything's rigged. And it could, that's part of the rigging. If you're going to rig something, you know, and I know we kind of delineate between stolen election and rigged election. I kind of consider a rigged election being, you know, if you say a lie enough over and over and over again as being a truth. Eventually, people say, well, yeah, that's truth. The fine people hoax being one that's real prevalent. And those, you know, to remind everybody what the fine people hoax was, was the Charlottesville uh, neo-Nazis who were carrying tiki torches uh, because they said, no, don't pull down the Civil War um, statues. And they asked Trump about it at the time while he was president. He said, well, look, on both sides of this issue, as far as both sides of this issue, there are fine people. He then went on to say, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis. Totally disavow them. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the people who think the historic statue should be stay up and those who say the historic statue should come down because of slavery. That was totally taken out of context. And they said he called neo-Nazis fine people. That's how they jumped to that. So, you know, that is... A hoax that was repeated enough times by the media that guess what? There is probably at least 50% of the population, voting population, let's say, that said, yeah, he did say that. I've, I've had an argument with my conservative, a very conservative family member who did vote for Donald Trump, but he thought, yeah, he did say that. I said, no, he didn't. And he got really angry with me. Now, he voted for him and everything else, but he just didn't like him very much. He said, but he's Republican. I got to vote for him because he'll at least, you know, I won't get taxed to death under his leadership. So, uh, and I said, read the transcripts. He goes, I don't have time to read the transcripts. I go, it's a paragraph. Literally, that's all it is. One paragraph, you know. And to think that they, you know, that you could just repeat a lie enough and people then will believe it. Now, think about this. People are busy lives and you'll see a headline. And how many times has James brought up a headline and the headline says something very, wow, crazy. And then um, you read to the, James says it's the second to last paragraph, 14 year old dies of COVID. That's one I remember. And you go through and you're reading, you're reading. And the second to last paragraph, it says, by the way, he had a heart condition. He was 450 pounds, morbidly obese, and had been having health problems for the last two years. <sighs> but he died of COVID. He was so degraded, a good cold might have taken this poor kid out. That is something, you know, you, you learn when you look at headlines is you need to go read through. And, you know, not everybody has time to do that. I. I get it. I don't know. You know, it's just so it's so part of that brainwashing industrial complex. But anyway, that's something I'd absolutely recommend to our viewers is to go to the second to last paragraph. That's a shortcut uh, via James Wilkerson. You know, that is one of the things I would strongly recommend. Now, we'll get into some other things here real quick. I'm kind of running out of topics by myself. <laughs> Hopefully I can keep going. All right. Okay. Also, let's talk about the West Virginia Secretary of State, who is now a candidate for governor of that state, said in a, I think it was a televised or recorded debate that the, according to what he's looked at, the election was stolen from Trump. He said stolen. Now, if you get into the article, which I found on Metro News, Voice of West Virginia, <laughs> that and, and hear his statements, he went as far as saying that it was stolen. Now, he's also been endorsed by uh, someone that, you know, James loves. Well, maybe not. Michael Flynn, who uh, was the, you know, who he thinks is going to be replacing uh, Trump once he gets put in jail. Now, that's that's his claim. 
That's James's prediction. Let's put it that way. So it does kind of look interesting. Now, he said it was stolen, yet West Virginia, 40%, 40 points. Trump won by 40 points in West Virginia. And even the Secretary of State said, no, our our election system here is very good. All the candidates were asked, and many of them, one said, well, perhaps he was a businessman. His name is Chris Miller. He said it might have been. And he equated it to not because of the people who went and cast their ballot, but the people who mailed in their ballot. He said, uh, you know, if you mail in the ballot, you give it to somebody, it goes over Hill and Dale and through the woods and everything else, and then it gets somewhere where it's counted. And he seemed to say that wasn't secure. So that's something that, you know, is out there right now. A secretary of state says he thinks the CIA did it. When you get into the article a little bit and then this goes to here's the here's the headline. Gubernatorial candidate Mark Warner, the election was stolen and it was stolen by the CIA. Okay, now it sounds kind of crazy, right? Way they put it. You get into the article and what he's talking about is the fact that votes were changed because the CIA obfuscated you know, lied about whatever, saying that the laptop of Hunter's was not his. And that was, you know, done just before the election. And would it have changed enough votes in some of these swing states to change the election? Perhaps. But he's not saying I have evidence I've seen that does that, like some of the comments said. So here's again how they... They get a headline to say, oh, well, here you go. Somebody's actually said this. And he's a secretary of state. Yes, he is the former secretary of state who's running for governor, who was in a debate, who said it was Hunter's laptop that changed it. And the CIA did that. Now, we do know he's right. CIA did know that it was Hunter's laptop. It was correct. They also, the FBI knew as well. They both knew that's been shown and it's been shown that it was Hunter's laptop. And there is a lot of really damning type of uh, what would change a vote evidence, at least maybe, you know, I I still don't know. And James is going to have to go with what's illegal and what's legal. But it looks like tax evasion on your bribes is what Hunter's going to get in trouble for, uh, which is bizarre. Why, why can't we get him on the bribes? But no, we're going to get him on. He didn't pay his taxes on his bribes. (sighs) Gosh, anyway, <laughs> that's a, a very frustrating thing if you want to know the truth. Um, why do we have to, you know, call it something else? But, you know, it's what Al Capone got in trouble for. He didn't pay his taxes. That's how they got him. Um, you know, I don't you know, not for all the killing he did, <laughs> you know, uh, right in public. So, anyway, um, also this Secretary of State was part as if I'm reading this article correctly, uh, part of the lawsuit that went forward about Stop the Steal. I think you remember that. Now, also, the there was a young gentleman, Ali Alexander, who was head of Stop the Steal, who was talking about Stop the Steal, Stop the Steal during that whole thing. Where did he go? That's something that's always, wondered. I wondered, where did he go? I, I haven't even heard of him. I mean, I followed him on Twitter at the time. I followed him on a lot of things. And all of a sudden, it just nothing started showing up again. Like he just kind of went off into the night. To me, that's somewhat suspicious um, as far as that goes. Not that it doesn't mean that the election was not stolen. What it means is the why don't we, why is this people who are so passionate about stopping something that then all of a sudden just go away? Was it because Trump wasn't elected. I don't know. But why wouldn't he still be talking out there? You know, anyway. Um, so it was he stages, he says it in this article that it was a psychological operation. And he says that because me and Michael Flynn were both in the military, we've seen this as a classic psychological operation to change an election. Now, there's something to this, really, because we know that. We have had our CIA has tried to influence elections um, and if not out and out stole them because, you know, otherwise a communist would be involved. This was in the 40s, I believe, uh, that they actually rigged elections, not just really stole them. Uh, The people's 
didn't get to vote because they couldn't have these communist backed uh, leaders in certain situations. They just couldn't do it. Uh, we were fighting communism at the time. But why would they develop these techniques? And just because there's a law, say, oh, no, we'll only use them uh, internationally. In fact, it's technically legal for them to develop these techniques to influence or steal elections for other, uh, you know, that for other uh, uh, outside of the United States. It's illegal for the CIA to do that. Obama apparently said, well, if you already have these things in the can, so to speak, in other words, you've already got this stuff developed, then it's okay if you use parts of that for uh, some kind of work here in America. Now, I'm not real, don't, don't quote me too much on that because I'm not real up on that part of it. But basically, it kind of made it legal to copy this type of um, information or technique and, uh, you know, use it in America in a way. Anyway, it's, it's not legal to do technically. However, if you have the technology, if you have the wherewithal, why would you stop, you know, by, you know, I think if you look at, I mean, Scott Adams has talked about this. He says he thinks the CIA is competing factions and the FBI that some believe in you know, America and want America. And then some are like, no, we just need to make sure we're in charge. Uh, and I don't think it's a money motivated thing as much as an ideology motivation. Um, belief is a powerful thing. And I think you could have enough creep in trying to influence the American public. And this creep, it, it, if you're in the CIA and you're not trying to take down uh, our enemies, you're not doing your job, right? If you're in the FBI, you're not trying to get the bad guys. You're not doing your job. But as long as we have this, you know, if we have, uh, if we had more people, we could get this done to Congress and then we fund them more. They're going to find more crime. Um, that's, that's the basic over time. That's what's going to happen. So the only way I think would, well, a way, I'm not saying the only way, a way that we could fight that is to not leave the same people in for years and years and years. I mean, I'm sure there's people who have served four or five presidents in the CIA uh, and have been in their position. You know, they're, they're right there. You'd hate, you know, on one hand, you're hating to someone who knows what they're doing to get them out of there. On the other hand, they can't be totally, you know, uh, objective if they're in there forever. You know, any big organization, objectivity goes out the door. And, you know, unless you're right at the front lines, you're not, you know, one of the things I did in my business career is, you know, you get to where you're up in the office all the time, something, there's some meeting. Uh, we called it death by meeting. Um, and it seemed like the corporate people wanted a meeting before they did anything. And that means, you know, Sonic. And they weren't as bad as many corporations, actually. Uh, they actually wanted to do things too. But then there was this group of people in the upper management who didn't want to do things. They wanted to have a meeting first. Um, but that's, you know, they weren't effective. Uh, fortunately, in Sonic, at least when I was there, we had quite a few people that the meeting wasn't the point. It was how do we get this done? And they went out and did it and they got, they worked with the franchisees, the franchisees worked with them and we'd figure it out. But the way I kept my head about my shoulders, at least I tried to, is I went out to the stores. You know, I, I've, I often said, if you want to know what's wrong with a Sonic, ask a car hop. You know, the person that was on the front line every day with customers, I would, I would do a lot of quizzing of car hops saying, okay, what's the one thing that people complain about the most today? You know, what, if they worked a lunch run, well, they don't like this or they don't like that. I go, okay, okay. What would you do about that? I'd even ask him that. And sometimes I would just, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I go, all right, what if I gave you the power to fix it right on the spot? What would you do? And then they'd start to talk to me about the solutions. And a lot of times, um, one of the things that came out of questioning like that one time was, you know, we let them have what we call goof cards. If a customer had a problem, they could write down 
whatever it was, whatever they thought was right, and sign their name to the back and say, if you bring this back, you'll get this free or whatever they decided. Um, that was one way I kept my head about my. So if you look at the CIA, it'd be very easy because I'm a secret organization. I'm secret. That's very hard for them to do. It's very hard for them to, and by its nature, it's very hard for them to get out on the front lines, uh, at least the leadership. So, you know, if you're, you're literally supposed to lie, that's what you're literally supposed to do to do your job well. <laughs> that's what spies do. Um, and you, you're supposed to come back to us and tell us what's going on with the people on the foreign things. But how, you know, it wouldn't be a hard leap to say, okay, if that's true, these people are foreigners in this country. I need to spy on them. How do I do that? Because that's illegal. Hmm. I'll ask my boys at the FBI to do it for me. Um, and then you get into these factions. And it seems like to me, the CIA and the FBI have factions that are fighting. That's why it's not always super coordinated. Although the CIA may be less factional than most. Uh, if you look at how they, you know, according to, there's a, there's a guy on Twitter, I would highly recommend following Mike Benz. Um, he is a state department official. He has a lot of expertise in telling you who is playing with who in this brainwashing industrial complex. He calls it the, uh, censorship blob. And it, he says they're blobs. They're not any coordinated group there are groups of blobs of groups and that they if you know who's who then you know that it's an op and he says that every major media news organization the reason they all say the same thing at the same time is the cia has handlers they have people involved with these interviewer ease and you know these journalists and they know them and their friends and they say, well, you know, this is it. And they bring out a unified message and then all of the journalists just start parroting it. And it's really a uh, psyop. So, you know, that's what I think this particular State Department official is really actually saying. This is a psyop and we know it because I was former military and so was General Flynn. And we can see a psyop when we when we, you know, because we've done them. So <laughs> I, I don't know that it's as, um, you know, this headline of gubernatorial candidate, Mark Warner, former secretary of state of Virginia, uh, West Virginia, says that it was stolen by the CIA. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, uh, now in saying that, let me say this. Over the last, I don't know, two since COVID really, we found out that all our institutions are crooked. Basically, when we have proof that they've crooked in some way, you know, CIA, FBI, the, you know, we've kind of known that about the government for a long time federally. Um, there's pockets of people who are not corrupt, it looks like, but there's mostly corruption and the corruption is very subtle. So we know that, and we know that there's problems with each and every one of them as far as what they tell us. But what we, and I, Scott Adams does say this too, I'm sorry, I'm quoting him a lot today, but Scott Adams says, of course, thank goodness, since we know everything's crooked except 50 different systems in 50 different states that all was perfectly secure for a very contentious election where people were actually saying we must get Trump out. That's what I'll say. You know, it's basically, I think he said it also was the reddest of red flags when uh, they didn't seem to be worried a few months ago. Actually, they didn't seem worried at all that Biden wouldn't win four or five months ago. All of a sudden, now that it's the polls are forming up for Trump big time, uh, they're like, uh, wait a minute, that wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, according to uh, Mike Benz on Twitter, he said that 2016 is when the um, censorship industrial complex was formed because they were so shocked because Hillary was supposed to win. That's what that complex had predetermined and they thought they had it. Now, James has talked a lot about they thought they had Florida. They didn't. And there were several of the state, swing states. So you've seen a lot of the focus on these swing states. Um, 
In other words, the states that are kind of purple, I guess you call it, or blue, you know, kind of split down the middle. So a thousand here, a thousand there can really swing it. And five of those electoral votes can make a huge difference in a presidential campaign. So anyway, that that was something that I'm channeling for James today. Uh, and uh, I just, you know, for me, that that was interesting. Now, I want to circle back to uh, Jack Smith, because I don't think I hit that totally like I wanted to. Um, Jonathan Turley is someone also I follow. Now, Jonathan Turley is a um, Supreme Court scholar uh, and, you know, someone who understands that he's a lawyer as well. And he understands the law very well as far as it goes around the Supreme Court and how the court systems works. And James has talked a lot about how our systems work and you know, that you sometimes you have a nine panel, sometimes it's a three panel, and I'm not going to go into the details on that right now. However, what Jack Smith is asking for and trying to get is to leapfrog the appellate court for the question of whether Trump is um, immune to have to testify. And the reason, you know, it seems like, well, you know, who cares if he is or isn't, you know, well, why is that so important? It's important for this reason, because he's trying to leapfrog that so he can then have Trump's trial on Super Tuesday. And it doesn't matter. That'll look really bad for Trump, no matter what. It'll take him away from campaigning. All the things that we know is, and the only reason, because the appellate court apparently is going to take up this idea, and what you're supposed to do is go to that court first, then it might go to the Supreme Court. But he's asking for an emergency ruling from the Supreme Court. Um, and that's what makes it so egregious. It's only to get the trial to be timed properly. It's so transparent. To, I mean, Jonathan Turley is not a Republican. He is not a, um, he's, he's liberal, actually, quite a bit. He's, uh, you know, sued the government on behalf of clients before and, you know, all sorts of things. So, you know, for me, that's very different from just the immunity question. It's really uh, about, you know, making sure Trump doesn't get a fair, you know, he's so far ahead. They don't want him. They, they, they're desperate to get him something on him. And so far it hasn't worked. Yet, um, James says he's going to be convicted and jailed uh, because of a, you know, what would you call it? A, Washington courts are very biased against him. Let's put it that way. I, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm hopeful. I pray he doesn't, <laughs> uh, because it's so political. It has nothing to do with it. Apparently, also, uh, Jack Smith has been able to get a hold of Trump's uh, cell phone that he's. He has it in his possession, and they're going through it right now. Now, a lot of people say, oh, now they got him. What I don't think they understand about Trump, they might backfire on because Donald Trump doesn't send emails. Uh, have you ever seen one of his emails? No, because he doesn't send them. Now, he does tweets, but he really has this whole, you know, uh, he's done it for years. And I mean, pretty much his whole professional career. He just doesn't write things down. It's all about talking to people. and. You know, he doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't basically he, he he runs his life so it could be an open book and no and nothing would be out of place. You know, it wouldn't be bad. So he could keep doing business. And he did that for business, but he's continued it as he went forward in politics. So usually you could find things on somebody and, you know, surely Stormy Daniels. I didn't like that. Uh, I didn't like some of his comments before, but they were recorded. And, you know, what they called P-gate, I'm not going to say the net word on, on the air, but, you know, he was able, you know, he didn't deny those things. He said he, he deflected them, you know, uh, he, you know, like when he said this about, you know, I think uh, Megan Kelly was the one who was quoting it. And when he asked him and he goes, no, no, just Rosie O'Donnell. And everybody just laughed. It was funny. And it totally diffused that whole situation. Um, but you know, this, in, this brainwashing industrial complex is powerful. The way to fight it, I think is to talk about it is to notice the way I fight it. Basically I go through, I have every website 
that has, you know, CNN, NBC, ABC, uh, Fox News, uh, you know, a bunch of others that I just kind of go through and I look at the headlines. I look at the top three headlines in each one of them. If all of them have the same thing, that's when I start looking into that thing. <laughs> then I can find and remember, go down to the and, and literally this thing I just read you on the, uh, the secretary of state of West Virginia was in the fourth to the second to last paragraph, just like James said. So that's a great, great way to do it. Um, and I go through and I, I say, OK, I'm looking into this one thing. Uh, OK, wait a minute. Uh, they're all agreeing. That's when I think I might have something. So that would be my suggestion to you, ladies and gentlemen. Now, before I start repeating myself, I think I'm going to end the podcast. But I will tell you the reason I can do all this incredible analysis is, and, and search the webs is, A, I'm retired. <laughs> but B, I have PJ's Coffee running through my veins as we speak, uh, giving me more clarity, uh, way more alertness, uh, and able to focus in on all sorts of things for a very long time. And although I can't speak about them as well for a very long time, I do enjoy PJ's Coffee. And I tell you the best place when I got the most insight was when I went to the PJ's in Houghton, Louisiana, sat down, had delicious cups of coffee. And right now you can get, gosh, some great uh, Christmas. Uh, they have a, uh, what is it called? A It's um snickerdoodle latte. Oh my God. It's something like that. Don't quote me. Like I said, I, I can focus in on everything but names of products, but uh, you can get that. Uh, wonderful pastries, lunch, breakfast sandwiches, zap chips, and have it in a wonderful environment with great internet. So um, come by the PJs in Haunt, Louisiana. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to end our program today. I hope I wasn't too rambling and silly. And uh, also, I want you all to have a great day. And Steve, sorry I didn't get your Steve 15. I just ran out of things to say. All right, everybody. Bye-bye.